hello and welcome to episode three of the Fantastic Universes podcast. I'm James and today I'm joined by my Fantastic Universes brother Max. Say hello Max. Hello Max. Uh, hi everybody, hope you're well out there. Uh, it's bank holiday weekend so I hope you're all wherever you are, if you're in the UK that is, enjoying your uh, extra time off work. Unfortunately Steve couldn't join us today because Max and I will be diving into Avengers Endgame shortly, and Steve hasn't seen it yet. So to avoid the spoilers, Steve's staying away. I think he's going to be watching it tomorrow. But before we get into Avengers, I'm just going to talk to you a little bit, Max, about a couple of things I've been watching recently. Yeah. Game of Thrones. Um, I know you're not quite up to date on it, but it's massive at the minute. I'm oh, sure yes. you've heard yes. about it. The last episode that we've just had, the Battle of Winterfell, if if you haven't seen, I'd really recommend catching up because it was just an immense episode. Something that was just complete and utter movie quality in a TV episode. Loads of fighting, loads of death, loads of really well shot, well executed scenes for, a, like I said, for a TV show. It's not a film. I know there's a lot of money gone into Game of Thrones, but... It's so good at the minute. So I hear, yeah. Um, like you said, I'm, I'm not up to date. In fact, I'm about three seasons uh, behind. Um, I just kind of zoned out from it about, well, about three or four years ago, I guess. But I will definitely, at some point, pick it up and watch it to its conclusion. But I have kept my ear to the ground about what's happened and you get told at work about it and everywhere you look on social media. So I do know what's happened. So this battle scene lived up to its... Uh, billing then yeah oh absolutely i was blown away the way that the way they did it was the end of episode two it was just teed up nicely that war was about to break out and from the off in episode three it was just crazy absolute crazy the the night king and his army of the undead attacking virtually every single character who's still alive in game of thrones just unbelievable some of the scenes were just crazy the the dragons, dragons galore, fire, unbelievable. You should catch up. It was really, really good. I definitely will. So there's about there's about three left to go now, is there? Yeah, six six episodes for this final season, and we've had three now. So three final episodes, and the way it left it, it's it's going to be interesting to see how it ends. Yeah. Do you have a prediction as to who you think will be the ultimate last man or woman? Stand in. Well, I've said before seasons this season started, what is it, season eight, is it? Something um, like that. I've been telling everyone that Cersei is going to survive. I said that the, the army of the undead are going to destroy the whole of Westeros. Cersei will survive and she'll just be sat on the throne with nothing to rule. That was my prediction. Mm, okay. I think everyone, I every, everyone wants to see her dead, don't they? They do, yeah. So do I. But I just think the way this show goes, it doesn't always do what you think it's going to do. However, with the battle last week, uh, my prediction isn't quite looking as likely to happen now. So I don't know now. It, it could. There, it's some brilliant writing because they're queuing up all these different people for who could potentially be sat on the throne, and there's three or four different stories that all have a claim to the throne and. It'll be interesting to see how they finish it off. Well, I just hope it, you know, it doesn't leave people disappointed in the end, you know? Yeah. So do I. I'm sure it won't. I'm sure it won't. <laughs> have, you, uh, have you been up to much lately? Watched anything? 
Uh, at the minute, I'm joined the second season of Cobra Kai. Have right. you watched any of this? No, this is the Karate Kid spin-off, isn't it? It is indeed, yeah. It's on its second season now, and it has just been renewed for a third, which is great news. Um, is it good? It's, it's absolutely brilliant. If you're like me and you're um, a child of the 80s, I was born in October 79, so I'm very much a child of the 80s. It is just brilliant. I mean, everyone who's my age or roundabout grew up on the original film or films, should I say. And it just, it's the perfect balance of nostalgia. There's so many Easter eggs in it that call back to original films. They always manage to splice in footage from the original films as well. When they bring back a certain character or make a reference to something that happened because everyone, generally speaking, in no way resembles what they look like 30, 35 years ago, they'll kind of splice in a bit of footage from usual so you go, ah, it's that guy or whoever. But it's just full of humour, it's so funny, it's so politically incorrect, it's full of um, pathos as well. There's some genuinely heartfelt moments in there as well. It's cheesy as hell, but it's just so well done. I can't get enough of it. Each episode is only half an hour long, so you can bang through a good few in one sitting without having to invest a lot of time in it. Highly recommend starting in season one, and you'll just find yourself hooked. It's absolutely brilliant. And they've completely flipped the script from, obviously, in the original, you had the Ralph Macchio character, Daniel LaRusso, who was like your hero, and the Johnny Lawrence character, who was the, his adversary. And they've almost flipped it in this new series where they're telling the story more from Johnny's point of view. They're making him a sympathetic character. And LaRusso, while he's not a villain in this, in this, this they're making him less appealing, less sympathetic. So it is just brilliant. You, if you get the chance, if you if you, you know if you're at a loss, just bang it on. It's on YouTube, YouTube Premium. You can sign up for a free month's trial, no obligation, and just bang through it in a few days, and then cancel your free <laughs> cancel your free month's trial, so it won't cost you a penny. It's absolutely fantastic. Get on it. What is what? What's the premise to it then? Well, it's set 35 years after the original film. The original film obviously ends with the the all the all valley uh, karate or karate should I say a tournament yeah. and um, Ralph Macchio's character wins in the final. He beats the Cobra Kai um, top fighter Johnny Lawrence. He beats him in the final bout, wins the day, beats all the school bullies, and it's everyone's happy. And then this kind of almost, not ignores but almost sort of skims over the the two films that followed. And thirty five years later. The guy who was the the baddie in it, Johnny's sort of a down and out. He's living in a rundown, crappy apartment complex, and he's just eking a living out, doing odd jobs here and there. Whereas Daniel, who came from nothing in the originals, now has like his own high end um, car dealership. He's really rich. He's got the wife and the two kids and everything. And it's just like Johnny's story of redemption, if that makes sense. He, you know, he he, he befriends. Um, a, a young lad who was about his age in the original who's living in the apartment complex with his mom and sort of begrudgingly sort of teaches him karate and then he, he reopens the Cobra Kai dojo from the original films but trying not to do it the same way it was done when he was a kid where they don't teach the kids the bad way of thinking, they try and do it, teach them honour but certain things happen which sends him down a dark path more in this second series. But it's, it's great. I'm probably making no sense in trying to sell it to people. But if you get the chance to watch it, 
just do it. You will like it. If you don't like it, I will be literally amazed. Fair enough, fair enough. No, I'll, it, it, was, it was one that I, it, it didn't hit the top of my watch list, but it was one that I knew that was there that maybe when we get to the end of uh, TV series, TV series season, it'll one that I'll, you know, I'll binge through and, and get it ticked off. Yeah, know, yeah. Yeah, you should do I if you get a chance. I yeah, love the exactly. film, so yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll go to it at some point. You, you can't fail to love this. You mentioned about it being short half-hour episodes. Um, yeah. Something, something that's completely blown me away in the last few weeks like that is Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh, yeah. It is quickly becoming my favourite TV programme wow. of all time. I just absolutely love it. It's hilarious. For those that haven't watched it or don't know what it is, it's basically Friends, but set in a police precinct in, a, in Brooklyn. And right. I just, I, I can't believe how much I've enjoyed it. 30 minutes, so 22 minutes on Netflix with no adverts. 22 minutes, each episode is self-contained within itself, you know, long drawn out story plots that go season long but every yeah. episode is independent just like the old friend sitcom format but it's just it's for a kind of bit more modernized it's it's just hilarious absolutely a, a hilarious i can't believe how much it makes me laugh like people that i work with that have seen me watch it you know in the breakout area with my headphones on have called me muttley because i'm constantly there like <laughs> sniggering and <laughs> The wife gets sick of me watching it at home when she's watching her programs because all she can do is hear me laugh. But it's just it's just phenomenal. It's so, so funny. Andy Samberg is the main guy who plays Jake Rolter, this NYPD detective who's actually a really, really good detective. But he's a bit of a bit of a jackass, you know, jokes around and makes a lot of fun. Um, Terry Crews is in it who is the only real other person that I recognised who plays yeah. his, like, sergeant. He's funny. And the rest of the cast, they're all people who I'd never even heard of before, but they're absolutely hilarious. And then you get loads of cameos come up in it, like um, Adam Sandler's been in it, and um, loads of people off Saturday Night Live have popped up in it here and there. There's, yeah. there's all sorts of people. But if you've never watched it, it's season one to five is on Netflix. So easy to binge. Season six is currently out in America. Uh, it's it's hilarious. It's the funniest thing I've watched on TV in so long. I'll definitely try and check that out. I did watch the first couple, um, but it kind of just slipped through the net. I do like Andy Samberg, though. I loved him in, um, oh, what was that motorbike? Hot Rod, the um, where he played the wannabe stunt motorbike yep. rider. I absolutely loved that film, so I do like him. And I like some of his Saturday Night Live skits, so... Um, yeah, I'll, I'll probably get around to that at some point. Yeah. You got anything else that you've been reading? Anything else you've been watching? Anything else that's been uh, taking your fancy lately, Max? Um, not really. We've tried. We've tried to, to um, reconnect with Umbrella Academy this week. Um, I know you're okay. a uber fan of that show yep. and the books as well. Uh, we we started watching it, and then with other things coming on, it kind of dropped off. But we we re picked it up last night actually we've only watched about four or five episodes so we've still got a bit to go but i i do like that very much i know i know that's your your bag um and um, that's coming back for a second season as well i believe so that's all good um it's a great show it's got a lot of again it's got that dark humor and that sadness as well um the gore <laughs> the the adults content in it 
Um, it's a slow burner for me. I'm not, you know, I, I suppose someone like yourself who's really engaged with the source material before you've watched it already sort of knows the characters and knows what might be coming if, if it is faithful to the books. I wouldn't know. But um, I like the I like the slow burn aspect of it, and yeah, I'm going to uh, see it through to its conclusion. I think now. Yeah, I loved. I did like that show, and like I said, I'm a big fan of the books. There, yeah. in answer, it is. It does. It does a good job of giving a true reflection of the of the source material. There's yeah. there's some of the bit he's taken. There's a few bits and pieces that are different. Um, but I, I was talking about it with someone at work about how different it was from the comic book to the tv show and yeah. there are some quite major differences between the book and the comic book like um the dead brother who klaus talks to yeah that's completely and utterly made up for the tv show in oh, the comic right. books he, he he was dead in the comic books but he didn't you never saw him there was never any mention of him he wasn't talking to klaus or anything he we just knew him as a dead brother um so that that but but i don't think in any way it it hampered the story i think in fact for the tv show i think it's worked really well and i think it's kind of enhanced klaus's character because he is nutty isn't he and he's a bit crazy yeah i think to say the least having that almost like talking to himself type part of his crazy personality but with being the ghost of his dead brother. I think it worked really well for the TV show and it, you know, it didn't, didn't really bother me because there's been loads of shows, loads of TV shows, loads of films over the years that, you know, if you've read the source material, like particularly the walking dead and things like that, that you get a bit annoyed with like, Oh, that's not how it should have happened or Mm. that's not. But there's lots of little things in the TV show that were made up completely for the show, and I think they all worked really well. So I think you'll enjoy it when you get to the end. Yeah, looking forward to it. We'll probably watch another one tonight, actually, once the kids are in bed, and uh, see where we go from there. So, sit back, relax, and enjoy our fantastic feature. Yes, welcome to our fantastic feature. This week, Max and I will be talking Avengers Endgame, arguably the biggest film in the history of films and the history of movies. Probably going to win the box office race for highest earner. I know it's chasing down Avatar at the minute, but I see it did 1.2 billion in its opening weekend, which is absolute madness. Um, I've seen it three times at the cinema now. I actually went (laughs) last night to refresh myself. Um, What about you, Max? Have you seen it more than once? Oh, just the once for me. Um, On the uh, last Sunday, this time last week I went. So it had been out about three days and I went to see it. Um, but um, hopefully my memory will stand up to snuff. Um, yeah. But yeah, like you said, it is it is going to be the biggest film of all time. You know, you can forget anything else. Nothing else is going to come close. Even when Star Wars comes out at the end of the year, it, obviously that will do immense numbers, but it's not going to do these numbers, I don't think. I don't think any film will ever open like this has either. My God. It's, it's, it's insane with how when I saw it had done 1.2 billion in the opening weekend, I just thought that is, you know, that's a small country's economy. That's crazy. Mm. The amount of money, the, um, the only time I remember a box office or not so much a box office, but the cinema being 
as busy for an opening night was Force Awakens, yeah. which still fell short of Avatar and is still sat at number three on the uh, box office, didn't even beat Titanic. So mm-hmm. this was just as busy when I went. I mean, it was busy. I remember driving to the cinema and I couldn't park my car anywhere near the cinema and it's got a huge car park. Um, it was it was nuts. But getting into the film, it was amazing. It really was. It gave us everything that I wanted it to give me. Um, What a great conclusion to phase one, two and three of the MCU. And I think it's setting us up really nicely as well for what's going to come in phase four and what's going to come in the future, because we've got the Fox deal, which is going through. So Marvel will once again own the rights to the X-Men, the Fantastic Four, the Silver Surfer, all these characters are coming back. Yeah. They've never been in this universe. So we know they're going to come at some point because Disney is about making money, so they're not going to leave IP on the shelf that they're not going to make money on. No, we've got they've paid seventy odd billion dollars for, you know. I know, I know. And we've got characters in this franchise who are not so much getting old, but they've been in it for a long time and Surely, as a professional actor, they're wanting to move on to to other ventures, to do other things, because I imagine these type of films are quite time-consuming. So yeah. there's a lot to come. And I think what this film did was it, it wasn't just an ending to what we've seen from the last 11 years, 22 movies. I think it also sets us up for what's to come in the future. Oh, definitely. Some, some of the things I loved about this film was... I think Infinity War for me was probably the most universally enjoyable Avengers film. Everybody could watch Infinity War and love it. What this film was, was it paid a lot more homage to almost like a greatest hits of the Marvel universe. And I think things like that have more of an impact on the likes of me and you, Max, who are a bit more invested in the in the universe than say for example my wife my wife has seen all the avengers films she's seen the guardians of the galaxy films but i don't think she's ever seen the captain america films or the iron man films or the four films so yeah there's lots of bits of end game that she won't understand the true meaning to a lot of these scenes but she still came out of it and loved it yeah she still had tears when uh suppose we best say now we're going to spoil this film as we move on throughout the rest of this fantastic feature. There's going to be a lot of spoilers for Avengers Endgame. So if you are listening and you haven't seen it, you might want to uh, pause it and come back once you've seen it. But this is our spoiler warning. But (laughs) going back to what I was saying, my wife did cry when Tony Stark died. And like I said, I don't think she's seen him in anything other than the Avengers film. So to become that connected to someone is, you know, is a, is a good feat on its own. And the Russo brothers did an amazing job with it. But I loved the greatest hits flashbacks in this film, seeing Quill dancing on Morag, getting the power stone. Brilliant. Seeing it from their point of view. And uh, was it, what's his name? War Machine says how stupid he looks. Yeah. And it's brilliant watching it back and seeing it from that point of view. Cause I remember watching Guardians of the Galaxy and just being in stitches during that scene. Um, But there's other other little bits in it, like the elevator scene. 
to me, that had such a big impact because we remember the elevator scene from uh, Winter Soldier. Yeah, I thought we were going to get a part two of that. I thought he was going to yes. beat the holy hell out of that list full of Hydra guys again. But uh, yep. that little twist at the end there with what he said to one of them to yeah. get what he wanted. Hail brilliant. Hydra. Yeah. And it was. and That's what I mean about this film. I think it did serve the fans and not just your casual everyday Marvel fan. It served everyone who's been invested in the last 11 years and watched all 22 of these films because it, it, it didn't just, obviously we went to Avengers Assemble, the first Avengers movie. We saw that iconic scene in New York of all the original Avengers coming together for the first time. There probably wasn't anyone that's in Endgame who hasn't seen that, but this film went to for the dark world that nobody likes. You know, we had flashbacks to that. There's probably a lot of people watching Endgame who never saw For a Dark World um, and didn't maybe quite see the relevance of For meeting his mum and seeing his mum and the references to the fact that she's going to die that day and things like that. There was mm. there was so much fan service in this film and it's Full just it. really... Um, the, the Russo brothers and Marvel, these films never seem to win Oscars, but... I hope it's not ignored this year. The, the, the writing, the direction, the, the, the delivery, the special effects, everything in this film should just get every award going, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Black Panther was Oscar-nominated, so if this isn't, then there's something very wrong <laughs> with the uh, Academy uh, board, because it, it should be. It should be. I mean, like you said, it, it is full, it is top to bottom. The whole three hours is full of fan service galore. It really is. Um, callbacks to the, some of the most tiniest, minutia of events that have happened in previous films, but just little nods here and there. I mean, like you said, your wife thoroughly enjoyed it. And you don't have to be an Uber fan to enjoy it. They managed to serve sort of two masters. Put it top to bottom with the fan service, but also made it broad enough that you could just watch it if you're, you know, quote unquote, a casual fan of it. They managed to straddle two worlds, not make it too self indulgent and specialized, but also made enough of that in there to make it so that if you were a, a big fan who'd watched all the films numerous times, you'd get more out of it. So they, they really did pull off a brilliant sort of double goal there really impressed with it really impressed with it yeah yeah really good so one of the things that has been a hot topic for everybody was the whole time travel element yes so did you understand it max yes i understood the premise of it um but i didn't quite come to grips with certain things that happened and not affecting the bigger picture so obviously quick spoiler for those who've seen it, those who haven't. Obviously, they realise as a team that they need to go back in time to various points in the past and obtain each of the six Infinity Stones to bring them back to the present, to perform their own snap, to undo Thanos's snap and bring back all the um, living creatures of half the universe that were snapped out of existence. So that's a pretty simple premise in itself. And the theory be behind it using the quantum realm that kind of works in a fashion but 
what I didn't quite get was they did certain things during the course of the film where you think, well, hold on, if you did that, then you've literally changed the entire course of history. So then when you come back to the present with your stone, the present won't be the same as the one you left, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know? However, they discouraged all of that, didn't they, by saying back to the future, hot tub time machine, quantum yeah. leap, all these, sh- they said, that's all rubbish. None of it works. I, I came out of it, and I, from, from speaking to a number of people, I seem to have been one of the few people that walked away from it first time, and I, I think I completely understood what they were trying to do. So this is my take on what their version of time travel is. All right. And this is what, this is what Bruce Banner tried to explain. He said, forget about everything you know about time travel, the back to the future theory. If you go back in time, affect something, the whole butterfly effect. When you come back to the present, it'll be different. That, that doesn't work. What they're saying is it's all, it's all more like multiverses, multi-timelines. So they're in 2000, what was it, 2023 this film was set, wasn't it? Uh, so well, yeah, it was set five years after the snap, yeah. yeah. So they're in 2023. They go back to 1970 and do something in 1970 to get the Tesseract. Anything that they change in 1970 means that that version of 1970 goes off in a different course. However, their version of reality in 2023 is unaffected because their timeline hasn't been affected. It's now a different timeline. Yeah. So the, as an example, if you think about Thanos, they take Thanos or Thanos comes to the future from 2008 was it when was no not 2008 sorry 2015 Guardians of the Galaxy 14 was it 2014 something like that it's it's the other way it's the past he comes to the future from 2014 yeah and ends up getting killed in our now what is our current timeline so he's dead. The future version of Thanos is dead. The previous version of Thanos is also dead because Thor chopped his head off. Yeah. So in our current existing MCU timeline universe, there is now no Thanos. Yeah. The Thanos that came from the past, because they t- he's came from the past, gone to the future and been killed, that doesn't mean that the events of Infinity War never happened. Because he's come from a different timeline what yeah, it now means... if he if he left that time if he left that timeline and never went back how would he have did done what he did in infinity war that's now that's infinity infinity war never happened in an alternate timeline yeah that's what they're saying the point that thanos came from the past has given that timeline a different future but it doesn't yeah. affect the current timeline that we are in yeah. It's it's confusing <laughs> as all time travel related shows and films are, but I kind I understand what they're trying to say. I I think they're trying to say that Iron Man in 2008 through till mm. end game in 2019 every single thing that happened happened in this one timeline. Yeah. 
jump, jumping in and out of the timeline to different things has no impact on this timeline. All it does is it creates alternate timelines with yeah. alternate versions from different times. So the Peter Quill that we saw dancing in Endgame is not the Peter Quill that we see at the end come back from reversing the snap. Yeah. It's a different Quill from a different timeline. I kind of get it. It just, I don't know, maybe I'm just from that Back to the Future 2 school where you go back in time with your grey sports almanac, give it to your past self, and then when you go back to your present, what he's done yep. with that makes you very rich in the present, if that makes sense. Um, and I think that would have been the easier route to go down because that is everybody's kind of... I mean, let, let, let's let's be real for a minute. Time travel doesn't exist. So everything it, 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 Theoretically, know. it exists. <laughs> you know, but no, no one's actually managed to uh, crack it yet, but it, there's, a, there's a workable theory for it, you know. But that's all they are, aren't they? They're theories, yeah. and the theories we know about time travel are pretty much given to us by movies or TV. So... Yeah. No one really knows what would happen if someone did invent time travel. Yeah. Uh, so I think it would have been easier for them to say, well, we're just going to follow the Back to the Future version and do time travel like that. However, how do you then try and keep all of the previous films as canon? How do you try and maintain that all of that happened? Yeah, and we still ended so. up with the same thing. I think it's, I don't want to quote Deadpool 2 and say it's lazy writing, but I think it's their way of saying, look, we need to make sure that all 22 of these films have a significance. All of them got them to this point where we are in Endgame and all of them still existed. And I think that's why they've created their own version of time travel to say it's all about alternate timelines rather than affecting the one timeline that we're on. Yeah. So you can, in, in essence, you can't affect your own timeline. You can go back into the past and do what you want. I mean, at one point, Nebula kills her past self at the end, yes. doesn't she? And nothing happens to her. Theory. In theory, she should then cease to exist because she's killed, she's killed a younger self, like in um, Looper with Bruce Willis and yep. Joseph Gordon-Levitt when he dies, so then Bruce Willis fades from existence. Yep. That, that, in theory, should happen, shouldn't it? Because she's killed her younger self, ergo her future self can't exist, but, ah, you know, you could just get tied up in knots with the whole yeah, thing, yeah. you know. You know, it's like yep. Terminator, you know, Kyle Reese in Terminator 1 goes back to the past to protect Sarah Connor so she can give birth to John Connor, the, the saviour of the future. But yep. then, been doing so, he gets with her, impregnates her and is John Connor's father. But then, was he always John Connor's father? And if so, how could John Connor have existed prior to him going back in time and impregnating his mum? Oh, God, you know, it's it's you can create your own set of rules, I guess. Yeah, and I think that's all they've done. Fair enough. Fair, <laughs> I think if anyone has the right to create their own version of time travel, it's Marvel and Disney. You know, exactly. they've earned it. So Exactly, um, exactly. It kind of worked because you could also say at the end, Captain America goes back, doesn't he, to put all the stones back where they took them from to yeah, obviously yep. perform what they did and then never comes yep. back and then obviously lives his life having never, in effect, gone into the ice and become Captain America and done all that and he grows up to be an old man in our present ergo he's in effect changed the course of history there but it didn't it didn't change their history so yeah I guess that is the rule they're going for yep yep 
be interesting to see how he how he survived in that alternate timeline as well not as an alt it's in our timeline an old man or not even an old man so there was two captain americas in our timeline the whole time and this one yeah. was just hidden in the background yeah just sat on that bench waiting for <laughs> the end of the film um yeah because yeah. then he would have been at peggy's funeral in civil war presumably you know um yes yeah. and then would she have when she was on a not deathbed but when he goes to see her in winter soldier and she's a very old woman isn't she in, in bed and she's like oh steve you know so much lost time and all this well hold on love he was there with you because he went back in time and married you and all that so oh god yeah. you know <laughs> it's, it's, you could you could, wanna, you could pick it apart but it kind of makes sense i want to go back and watch that film and see if yeah. there is any because what you've got to remember is it's the same guys it's the russos they did winter soldier they did civil war they've done the last two avengers and to me they've created a four movie captain america story arc yeah. There's been two Captain Americas, two two Avengers, but Captain America's been quite key to all of it. So I wanted to go back and watch Winter Soldier and actually see the conversation that she has with Steve to see if there's anything in there that you could kind of, you know, you could kind of get behind that she's just saying what she's saying to protect him. Because the only the only thing I could imagine is is that if Steve was married to her the whole time, that he's mm. going to have said to her, look. <laughs> There's going to be another version of me in the future that you have to pretend <laughs> that we haven't been married because we need to protect the timeline or something like that. You, I could only imagine that he's had to have that conversation. So I want to watch that scene between them on her deathbed to see if there's yeah. actually any way you could kind of be like, oh, maybe, you know, maybe this was the Russo's plan all along and I can kind of see what she said. But I haven't got around to watching it yet. Yeah, yeah. Either way, it didn't stop him having a smooch with her niece in Civil War, did it? So, um, with Sharon Carter, who was who's supposed to be her niece, yes. isn't she in the film? So, oh god, it's it's a but, it's a ta- yeah, it's a tangled web. It is a tangled web. But again, he doesn't know she's his niece because he doesn't find out she's his niece until he goes back in time and grows old, does he? So, there's no way because that's the that that the Captain America on that timeline. It's not our Captain America. Yeah. It's a different Captain America. So it's, it gives you a headache the more and more you think about it, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Because it's like he's just sort of had a romantic liaison with his own niece or something. So, oh God. It it, it really is getting to back to future territory now, you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah. Let's move it, on. It, let's yeah, move let's, on. before we sort of go down a dark road there. But yeah, it, it's, it's one of those... It, you can you can pick so many holes in the theory of it and the consequences of everyone's actions, but like you said, the explanation that's given kind of ex- does explain why they can do all that and take change literally change the past, but never affect the future or anything that's happened between them doing it and and the present day. So I guess it kind of works. I think it pays not to think too heavily about it. Yeah. Right. Let's move on then. And like I said, I don't, I don't want us to just talk about what happened here, what happened there. I've yeah. picked out Easter eggs. Oh, right. But more, more importantly, what I have observed 
as Easter eggs towards the future. So things that I think have been implemented in this film as a either a nod or a starting point or as a kind of ignition to things that could come in the future, a movie, a character, a plot, something like that. So yeah. I'll, I'll, I'm going to work through them and I'm going to ask you your theory on them, Max. Okay, far away. So right towards the start, there is a scene where Nat is in S.H.I.E.L.D. command or the Avengers base, whatever it's called, and she's getting battle report, mission reports from all the different Avengers. Yeah. And we see uh, Okoye, is that it? Um, That's her, yeah. Yeah, Michonne, Michonne from Walking Dead. Dead. Um, she mentions about uh, an earthquake under the sea. Yes. And how do we deal with that? Well, we don't deal with that. It's an earthquake under the sea. Is that a throwaway comment? Is that an Easter egg towards Namor? What do you think? I would love for it to be an Easter egg towards Namor. And they did hint on way back in um, Iron Man, at the end of Iron Man 2, when he meets with um, Nick Fury and he gets told, we don't want you in the Avengers, but we'll sort of employ you as a consultant. And there's that map with all the hotspots on it. And one of them is in Africa, which you presume is Wakanda. And there's one that's in the middle of the ocean, which they always said, oh, that, that's a hint for something to do with Namor in the future. So maybe they are going to build towards that. The only thing that makes me wonder about that, though, is would they, based on the fact that DC have had a smash hit with Aquaman, would Marvel be as keen now to go down the route of a Namor film? You know, an underwater-based film with a Atlantean race well, it's kind of been done already now, hasn't it? And done, you know, it's not like DC had a bomb on their hands. That's the DCEU's biggest film today, isn't it? Um, which has, you know, been a massive hit. Would Marvel be as keen now to do something because you're giving people something that maybe they've already seen? I mean, granted, the characters are completely different, but would they still do that? I hope they do. Do you think they will? Possibly. I mean, you, you can look at it in that position or you could flip it over and say... DC have proved a movie underwater can work and can earn you yeah. money. Yeah. Put Marvel brand on it. There's no reason why you can't earn another billion from that. So um, I think it's a character that will come at some point. But, but I fear yeah. this was maybe more just a just a tease, like you said with the map in Iron Man Two. I think it's more a tease um, than a direct. This is going to come in the next three or four years. Yeah, maybe they're just saying. It exists, but don't expect that you're going to see it anytime soon. I hope we're wrong, though. Yep. I'd love to see Namor. That would be good. Oh, so be the next point, the next point, and for me, this next point is possibly one of the biggest moments of Endgame that hardly got any acknowledgement. So when they're sat around talking about right at the start, again, they're talking about Thanos uh, and how to track Thanos down and rocket explains when Thanos used the infinity gauntlet, there was a cosmic eruption around the earth, never before seen. Yeah. And then he says, and we've tracked that again out here in this distant planet. So he must've used the stones again. And that's how they locate Thanos and they go off to find him. Yeah. When I saw that, 
the first thing that came to my head was that's how the Fantastic Four come into creation. That's how we get mutants. That's how we get the X-Men. You think the Fantastic Four, their origin, where is it, out in space, they get hit by some cosmic power. Cosmic rays, yeah. They get, they absorb these, they absorb it and they all have their own different powers and they come back to Earth and they become the Fantastic Four. Yeah. If Marvel don't use this as their point of, you know, everyone always said like, oh, the Marvel Universe is going to be remembered as before the snap and after the snap. Well, this that could be what this is relating to. That would give you a very easy... This is why there was never an X-Men before. This is why there was never a Fantastic Four before. Because they required the cosmic power of the snap to yeah. create these mutations. Did you see that? Or how do you think about my theory around that? Um, I think you've got, a, you've got something there, to be honest with you. Because it's inevitable that they're going to bring those into this universe you know like we said before they've paid the big bucks to acquire the rights by buying fox so they're not going to have them in their um toolbox and not put them on the screen that it's inevitable they're going to come and how do you how do you put those into that world you know because you can't suddenly have an existing x-men that mutants already existed prior to the snap and they were out there because it would have been like well where the hell were you while, while all this was going on? You know, why didn't you join in and help? Um, so I think you could be right. There's got to be something. Maybe the the setting of the snap sort of kick-started the mutant gene or something like that in this universe or something yep. of that nature. There's got to be some explanation. And that would explain because the, the whole point of the X-Men and the mutant side of things is they're treated with prejudice and... Um, there's like it's like a distrusting world towards mutants that they, that's always been the case in the comics, and that's been a theme throughout the Fox X-Men films. But the MCU is a world where people with superpowers aren't necessarily feared. Um, yeah, you know they they used they're identified as heroes. Really, um, the events of Civil War, notwithstanding, with the Sokovia Accords, which probably got ripped up with the snap. To be honest with you, because no one seems to be uh, bothered about that anymore i guess it's kind of forgiven and forgotten when half-life in the universe gets wiped out but yeah yeah, that might be a way of doing it and then people suddenly start developing latent mutant powers and then maybe that leads to maybe it's people who were snapped and came back that have these powers and that's a whole bigger picture as well for the film about bringing reintegrating billions of people into society and maybe some of these people that have snapped come back are the likes of Gene Grey, Scott Summers, people like that, Hank McCoy. Um, he couldn't really, it wouldn't really work for the Wolverine character based on his age. He'd have to be something of his own if they ever did bring Wolverine into the MCU. But I don't think they need to. Uh, if they're going to bring the X-Men, they could just do the original X-Men lineup, but not with Wolverine, because whoever yep. comes in is going to have a thankless task following um, Jackman. So, yeah, I think, I think you've got something there. I really do. I think that's a plausible way to put those characters in without sort of having to have them already existing or yeah. come up with a fresh origin. I think, yeah, yeah. I think if I was um, in charge of Marvel, I'd use that. Definitely. Yeah. I, I think it's too good an opportunity to miss because if you think back to Captain Marvel, 
there was so much negative press like oh well, why why has she never been here if her movie was set in the 90s why did she never turn up why yeah. did nick fury didn't not send her a page until the end of infinity war and all that and you know this could just avoid all of that they didn't exist until the snap that's yeah. it yeah very yeah. easy way to bring them in yeah yeah i must admit though i did wonder why he waited till the events of Infinity War to page her and bring her back. You would think he would have paged her when the uh, army was coming through the hole in the sky above New York in the first one. Yeah. You would yep. you think, well, you know, we, what, what's one extra pair of hands when I've got like six Avengers there against an army, you know, well, call her back. Why not? You know, why did it take everyone turning into dust from, but you know, whatever that's, I suppose it's, you can, get bogged down in these things. But, yeah, no, I think your theory is a good one, and I can see it really working, yeah. Thanks, thanks. I'll give Kevin Feige a quick ring. I do so, yeah. <laughs> get, yourself a, get yourself a story credit on the um, yeah. on the future films, you know, story yeah. by James Stone. I can see it now. <laughs> um, so the next one, a little one, but Kate Bishop hitting the bullseye, being called Hawkeye. Are we seeing her in a future film, do you think? Um, well, aren't they supposedly going to do um, a Hawkeye TV series or something like that on this Disney Plus app? Is that one of the ones they've um, mooted that they're going to they're going to do? I don't know if, if Hawkeye has been confirmed. I think there's talks right. that he's. I think there's been talks about it. I know Falcon and Winter Soldier's been confirmed, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, That's and they were also perfect. supposed to be in a Scarlet Witch and Vision one, which makes yes, yep. no sense because Vision is gone. Yep. Because if they were going to rebuild him, they would have rebuilt him prior to the events of this film. You would um, have thought. And she makes a big thing about, oh, he's gone, and there's that little That's speech insane. at the end with her and Hawkeye, oh, he's not coming back. So, again, what's that TV show going to be about? Is it going to be them enjoying the... The um, the scenery in Scotland prior to the in between Civil War and Infinity War, or what's yeah, that going to be about? Who knows? But yeah, the Hawk. Back sorry, back to point. The Hawkeye. Yeah, I'd love to see it. I think any. I want to see anything with him in it because I think he was the my standout character from this film, which I think uh, you're good. on a similar um, train of thought with that, aren't you? Yeah, I thought it was fantastic. We'll get to that. Future future question for you about who our MVPs were. Okay. Um, so sticking with Clint Barton, anyway, um, he him and Nat had a conversation where Budapest came up. We're a long way from Budapest when they're yes. flying out in that spaceship, which we know Budapest is how they met each other, but we've never seen it, have we? So we no. my theory, my theory is now that Nat is dead. And that she has a Black Widow solo movie going into production at some point. Yeah. There's always been rumoured that it was going to be a prequel. It seems pretty nailed on. It's going to be a prequel. (laughs) It's going to have to be, yeah. What do you think the chances are it's going to be called Black Widow Budapest or something like that? And we're going to see whatever whatever the Budapest mission was of how they meet each other. And it's going to be a Hawkeye and Black Widow origin type story. Wow. Sign me up. I'd love to see that backstory because it's never, her her past has never been explored, has it? You know, she was a former Soviet agent, you know, part of the Black Widow program that had been going yep. since, well, they, they showed 
other Black Widows, didn't they, in the Agent Carter series? So it's a long-standing Soviet program where they train these women out of school to be super spies, super assassins. So there's a lot of story there. And, yeah, I'd, I'd love to see that. I'd love to see, um, you know, the meeting Goulash in Budapest. And um, just there's so much story to be mined from it. It, it could definitely yeah. happen. It could definitely happen. There's, and although there is a little theory that they're going to use it as um, possibly she could come back. I don't know if you th- agree with me on this, but at the end when Cap goes to put the stones back, presumably one of the places he got to go is back to um, oh, what's it called? Vormir, is it to give Vormir, the Soul Stone yeah. back to where the red where the Red Skull is. And yeah, yeah. the whole the issue is, a, like, I think you said this to me, actually. I might be stealing your thunder here, but whether the whole thing about the soul stone is a soul for a soul, hence every time someone's gone to get it, someone's had to die. Yeah. Um, if you put it back, do you get someone back, you know? Yeah. That's, that's, one, that's probably one of the main parts of the film that I have a big question mark over, is, yeah, that, that was my kind of theory. Red Skull said in both films, a soul for a soul. So surely that works in both ways. Um, And maybe they've done what they've done because they don't know what direction they're going with in the Black Widow movie. Mm. Or or maybe they just thought, you know, maybe it was just an oversight. They didn't think much about whether they wanted to bring Black Widow back. Because you've got to think, Tony Stark got a massive funeral that everybody was there. And oh, everybody what, was there, yeah. What did Nat get? Now. We didn't see any funeral. We didn't see anything. So her story, as, the, as much as Clint kept saying, it can't be undone, it can't be undone, I'm not convinced mm, that yeah. it can't be undone. And then Banner said he tried to bring her back when he did the snap, yeah, didn't he? To, snap, to bring everyone yeah. else back. He said, I tried to bring her back, but he couldn't. Um mm. So, actually, in a way, I wouldn't like to see her come back. Come back as a prequel story, the Budapest thing for the solo film, but I wouldn't like to see her come back resurrected because it cheapens her death and what it meant. So I would like her to stay dead. Um, The whole point of her death was like the ultimate sacrifice. And if she suddenly pops up in a a year or two going, oh, hey, guys, I'm back when Cap... (laughs) <laughs> gave the stone back, I popped out of the um, afterlife and I'm back, yay um, and why didn't you have a funeral for me, you, you rats um, <laughs> yeah. but wouldn't you like to have seen I, I, that it would, cheapen it, it would cheapen it, yeah I, don't, yeah I don't need to see it, so by all means do a prequel story, I'd, I'd love to see it, I really would love to see it but don't bring her back in the, in the present, you know, keep her dead where she, where she is yeah, wouldn't you love to see that Captain America Red Skull exchange? Oh yeah, would I? Yeah, they should do that. They should do um like a, a spin off of Cap going to all the different places, putting yeah. the stones back. You know, going to Asgard to slide the thing back into Jane Foster, and like you said, God, facing back with the Red Skull that would be awesome. Yeah. Like the exchange they would have, what they'd say to this, each other that'd be brilliant. This... Six Infinity Stones. There you go. Yeah. Six episode mini series on oh. the Disney streaming app. Exactly. Exactly. Just do it. I'd oh, I'd watch that. You know, that would be a, a wonderful um, little mini series there. Cap through the ages, and then the yep. season finale is in you know back in suburbia with Peggy slow dancing like they do at the end of the <laughs> film. You know, <laughs> and then it, and then maybe they explain 
if he was a husband in the old oh god you know as as discussed <laughs> yeah. earlier yeah yes. yeah so the next Maybe. um the next point that i noticed that is screaming out for a new solo movie howard the duck did you spot him <laughs> uh no go on howard the duck was in endgame was he when Yep. Now, I saw someone quote this on, uh, I think I saw someone mention it on Twitter, and I thought, eh? So when I went last night, I particularly paid attention, and he is there. You know the massive battle at the end when everybody returns? Yeah. And everybody walks through all the Doctor Strange portals? Yes. Stood behind Nebula, walking through the portal, is Howard the Duck. Oh, God, I must have missed that. Yeah, you can't hardly <laughs> see him. And like, like I said, without going into it with the intention of looking for him, you yeah. really wouldn't see him. You really wouldn't see him. But yeah, uh, he's there. Oh so. no way! Oh, I can't because he was in the um, Guardians films, wasn't he? Yes, he was in. He was in, he was in, in the, the end of the first. Was he in both? I remember in the end, the end of the yeah. first one. But so he obviously he's already been. Ah, well. oh, right. So he does exist. So yeah, I guess so. Um, it's a pity you didn't get to see him, you know, giving someone Fun. a beat down during the battle, seeing something <laughs> like that, and maybe squaring up to Thanos and just getting absolutely destroyed or something like that. I would have quite liked to have seen that. But yeah. Uh, so you think there's a, a Howard the Duck um, resurrection film in the pipeline, do you? Who knows? Possibly. There's been so much talk about it ever since he appeared at the end of Guardians. And loads of people come out of the woodwork saying how much they loved the original film, even though it was absolute trash. But it's who knows? Dreadful, yeah. Who knows? Well, who knows? a man can dream, James. A man can dream. Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> Pepper Potts, then, in her yes. rescue costume. Do you think yes. we will see more of her in the future as rescue or as Pepper? Or do you think she will bow out the franchise with Tony? Uh, I think the logical thing would be for her to bow out, you know, just go and live with her, bring her daughter up in the um, wood cabin place they have at the start of the film. Um, I don't see how there'd be any reason for her to come back into it, at least not in that much of an involvement as, you know, in the suit. Maybe she could cameo in something, you know, maybe there's a re maybe she's going to still run Stark Industries. uh, Now Tony's dead. Um, but other than that, I, I mean, I don't think there's any reason to see a suit up again. You never know. You never know. No. Um, you can never say never about anything, can you? Um, you can't. But this, I'd, this does... I'd be really surprised. This brings me on to my next point. The A-Force, which I did actually have to Google this because uh, I, I couldn't remember what they were called, but the All-A-Women Avengers, the battle where they all formed together at the end. Oh, yeah, yeah. Amazing scene, fantastic. But again, do you think that is lining us up for an all women Avengers movie of some description? Who who can say? Who you, they've they've kept the cards very close to the chest, haven't they? Because other than the imminent release of um, Spider Man Far From Home, they've confirmed nothing, have they? They've confirmed nope. no no films have been announced. Uh, obviously, we know. There's going to be another Black Panther. That's inevitable. There'll be another Doctor Strange. We know they're doing Guardians three. When they appear to be doing Eternals as well, but they've other than you know they've not actually said like because normally they they announce them, don't they? A couple of years ahead, you know, this yep. is what's coming out. But they've, they've given us nothing. I guess 
because it kind of played into the film as they didn't want to say what was coming in case it'd be like, oh, well, this person must die or that person will live, etc., etc. So who knows? Maybe they will go down that route. There'd be nothing wrong with that, that's for sure. Um, I think people would turn up to see it. Um, they proved with Captain Marvel that a female-led film can make a billion dollars. Um, yeah. So a film with a, an all-female lineup, yeah, I think it'd do really well. Maybe, maybe they'll go down that route. Do you think so? Yeah, I think anything's possible. To be fair, um, they've managed to do in these movies what no other network, no other company has ever done. The, the amount of A-list stars they have in these movies now yeah. is just—you know—you think back years gone by, you'd have your A-list star filled with a bunch of, you know, B-listers, C-listers that would fill up the cast. Nowadays, yeah. it's you know, every supporting role. I mean, they got Robert Redford out of retirement for this yeah. movie. Yeah, I to, mean, to be on screen for two minutes. Yes, if they can do that, there's no reason we aren't getting uh, an A-force movie with Valkyrie and. Scarlet Witch and maybe even Pepper and all these characters coming together um, yeah. for some particular reason. Who who knows what, what the reason would be, why it would need to be all the women, but um, I'm sure Marvel could find a way to do it. Oh, I, yeah. I think, I think it'd be good. I think it would make a lot of money. Yeah, I think at this point they could put anything on screen and it would make a lot of money with that Marvel Studios logo at the front of the film. Uh, yeah. I think they're just a, it's a license to print money at the moment. But But yeah, that's not to cheapen that as a thought i think if they did it it'd be really really well done and i'd love to see it bring it on i say yeah um the guy at the end of the funeral and i I didn't know who this was but as soon as i walked out of the cinema i turned to the guy i watched it with and said who was that kid at the back of tony stark's funeral yes because you panned through you saw everybody you saw you saw Peter and Aunt May, you saw the Guardians, you saw Doctor Strange, Captain Marvel, you saw everybody there, and then there's this random kid stood there, and I was like, who's that? Who's that? As, yeah. You know, they don't do nothing for a reason, so the first thing I did when I got out was go on the phone, go on Google, and it turns out it was the kid from Iron Man 3. It was indeed. Unrecognisable, though. Yes, yes. Um so is that just a, he was a part of Tony's life, they kept in touch and he's there for the funeral to pay his respects? Or is it more, he was left in a garage with an Iron Man suit and materials. Is he going to be a future Iron Man? You never know. Maybe in Tony's will, he left him something special. You never can say, can you? Um, I think, logically speaking, it might just have been like a nice Easter egg cameo. Um, I don't know how they'd find a reason to bring him in, but you know, nothing's off the table, is it? You know, he could have nope. something. He could have a part to play in a future film. Um, I mean, if they if they are going to have another Iron, logically, you would suggest it would be War Machine putting on the costume, yeah. like he did. He did that in the comics for um, a time in the eighties when Tony was off the shelf, um, right. or, or on the shelf, should I say? Um, so he um, would be the logical choice, wouldn't he, to be the new Iron Man if they decided to carry on someone as Iron Man? But who knows? Maybe this kid's got a bigger part to play. You know, it was a, a blink and you'll miss it cameo. Um, it was. It, he didn't say anything, did he? He just stood there looking depressed nope. like everyone else. But I mean, 
he, his cameo in that film was the same length as Michelle Pfeiffer's, and he had a, he had the same amount of dialogue as she did. Um, yeah. I mean, it's amazing yeah. that they got her her and Michael Douglas to be yep. just stand there at the back of the funeral um, uh, entourage and have nothing to say, but yet they still got them back um, yeah. and and actually be there as well, not just sort of com- composited in, computer generated. It's madness, really. Um, so yeah, maybe maybe we'll see this kid again. Do you think so? Uh, I don't know. Like you said, I, I think I think part of it was maybe just a you know he had an important part in Tony's life in a former film, yeah. and it's a way to help close off his entire story arc. Yeah, with the potential that there is someone there. I think, and this is going to sound bad, but I think if that kid had have grown up to become a famous actor in real life, yeah, then they may have gone down. You know, if that was a young Chris Hemsworth who was in that film yeah. as a fourteen-year-old kid and grew up to be this superstar, then yeah. I think it would be hands-on that definitely they'd be pushing it. But seeing that I've looked at that kid's IMDb page and he's not not really done anything. So um, I don't. I think it was just a he was a part of Tony's life. He's yeah. at the funeral. This yeah. is the end of it because because I know the there was no post credit scene for this movie, but we did no. hear the the noise of Iron Man's like hand phaser cannon noise, didn't we? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I recently read in an interview with the Russos that they just said it was a a nod to everything that Iron Man has achieved and Tony Stark and Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. achieved. It was just their nod to to finish it off. So. I think maybe it might be the same with this kid. He's just there as a let's close the story off. Yeah, I'd, I, I think logically we'll probably never see him again. Um, but yeah, it was nice for nice for the guy to be in it, I suppose. Yep. And yeah, nice definitely. if anyone did watch that. If anyone did watch that first time and went, "Oh, that's that boy from Iron Man Three, without having to look it up, then they're lying. Um, <laughs> yeah. As far as I'm concerned, because he, he he was a boy in that film and now he's a young man and in no way. Yeah looks like he did um, nope, five or six years ago when Iron Man 3 was out whenever how long ago five or six years so if anyone watched that film for the first time in the in the theater and went oh my god that's the boy from Iron Man 3 then they're lying through their teeth um, <laughs> either that or they've got a very good deep, uh, eye for faces so whatever but yeah I, I think he's been and gone yeah um, so then finally the other end of a chapter was Captain America yeah. grown old and given his shield to Falcon mm. so is that it? Is Falcon going to be Captain America? Because Cap- Falcon took the shield in the comics after Cap died in Civil War didn't he? Uh, he's, he uh, he's had the shield he was Captain America yeah uh, Bucky's yeah. had it as well uh, in, yes. in the comics but it seems very much like it's Sam, isn't it? He gave, he specifically gave it to Sam, and Bucky was stood there and was like smiling and nodding. So I don't think he was sat there, got stood there, going, "Oh, I want that." Um, <laughs> so I think it, yeah, I think that's your new Captain America, isn't it? So we have a Falcon and Winter Soldier TV series coming. So hmm. do you think Falcon will remain called Falcon, but he will incorporate the Captain America shield and the logo into his persona? Or do you think there will be a transition as he will no longer be Falcon, he will be Captain America? How do you think they're going to do it? 
Um, if I recall, in the comics, he was a bit of both. Um, he still had the falcon wings and still did the flying, but his uniform was made red, white, and blue, and he had the shield. So he kind of retained the best of both worlds. So if they do it, I'd imagine they'll go something like that. He may not even call himself Captain America in, 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 on screen. He might just he might just be referred to as Sam or Captain Wilson or something like that. But yeah, I think if if they're going to go pursue the character more, which obviously they are going to do with this TV show, whether he comes back in the films remains to be seen. But yeah, I think they're going to going to go down that way. I think we're going to see him as the sort of substitute Captain America. Um, yeah. You know, depends how audiences take to it, I suppose. I suppose so, yeah. Yeah. And um, you mentioned, you briefly mentioned it earlier, but the Asgardians of the Galaxy. Yes. That, surely that has to be the plot of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Yes. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they don't put him, put Thor with that bunch at the end of the film on a set to go off on an adventure and have him specifically leave the Asgardians behind for them not to pick that up with that third film that, you know, they can't just drop it. Um, so yeah, I think definitely that, I think they'll probably just still call it guardians of galaxy three, but he'll play a major part in it. Um, Thank you. you don't think they'll go all out and call it as guardians of the galaxy. Maybe they will actually, it wouldn't be a bad thing. It would be quite funny and a nice play on words and yeah, why not? Why not at all? I just hope that when, they pick up with that bunch again. He's he's hit the gym and lost all that weight he had in the film because <laughs> that was the one thing that really annoyed me. I, not, not that he'd got fat and become a alky in the five years between the start of the film and, and the end, was that at the end when the big battle comes and he calls down the um, the lightning and gets suited up in his battle suit and he has Mjolnir and he has the... Um, Stormbreaker. The axe? Stormbreaker axe, yeah, that's right. When he has both of them and he's suited again and the um, lightning manages to tie his hair up in like a French plait for him and all this. Um, I was hoping then when it, he got hit with it that he'd get all jacked up again and be like he, he was, but he was still fat. Um, so I just, you know, I, I, like, I like the comedy elements of it, but I would like to see him as he should look by the time the next film rolls around, which seeing yeah. as he'd sort of straightened himself out for the end of the film, thanks to his pep talk off his soon to die mother maybe uh, maybe we'll see that maybe so my theory for guardians 3 yeah off the back of endgame is there is a gamora now in this timeline yes from the past my theory was with the help of four that film is going to be them tracking her down and trying to cuz she wasn't at the funeral did you notice that at the end all of the Guardians were stood there. Gamora wasn't there. So she's yeah. somewhere on this Earth, in this timeline, on her yeah. own. Because Thanos yeah. is now dead, and the Nebula from her time is dead. So I, yeah. I thought, well... But James Gunn is back doing Volume 3 now, and his script for this film was written a couple of years ago. So mm. surely he didn't know the events of Infinity War and the events of Endgame at that point. So... I can't see that being the plot point for volume three now. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think it shows, doesn't it? At the end, before they, when the Thor's on the ship with them and they're having that bit of banter about who's in charge, he's, um, isn't Quill looking at an 
image of her on like a hollow yes. screen and it says searching or something. So they're going to yeah. go out and obviously try and track her down, although she won't know them per se because her that past version of her has never met them before. Um, yeah. So that's going to be an interesting dynamic when they catch up with her again, is that yeah. obviously she knows that's what the future holds for her because her sister told her, because when she rescued Quill in the end fight, she went to her, to her sister, really, that's the one you were talking about? And she says, yeah, uh, yeah it is, yeah. She's like, oh, God. Um, it was him or so, a tree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, him or a tree, that's right, yeah. Um, so she knows that's her future, but because she hasn't lived it, you know, she's trying to escape from it. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, yeah, she's definitely going to play a part in that film, 100%. And yep. obviously with Thor in there, it'd be interesting to see where they, where they go with it, what the actual plot will be of that. Definitely. Well, they are all the points that I picked out that I think will have an impact on the future of the MCU. Is there anything else that, that you can think of that I've missed? Uh, I don't think so. I think that's, other than obviously the returning characters at the end that are going to get sequel films, um, I don't think they really dropped anything else in there that really was a, a magical pointer to, oh, look, this is going to come in the future. Because like we said they, before, they played the cards really close to the chest about what well, the next batch of films, the next phase. So, no, I think you've got, I think you've picked them all out brilliantly there. Cool. Um, final two parts, and I just want to talk to you about. Was there any part of Endgame you didn't like? Um, there was nothing I didn't like. Uh, the only thing that didn't sort of sit right was what we talked about earlier with the time travel and the yeah. logical flaws in it. But I guess based on our discussion earlier where you sort of explained that our timeline is set in stone and you can't do anything in the past that will affect our present existence that was the only thing that got me when i'd come out of it going well if they did this then then that yeah. stopped any of it from happening or you killed somebody in the past they can't exist in the future um other than that there was nothing i, I didn't like um you, you know it's not was it a perfect film no because i don't believe with maybe some rare exceptions you ever get a quote-unquote perfect film um but no, I think I'd be if I come up with anything I I didn't like, I'd probably be really sort of nitpicking yourself. Um, personally, I didn't like Nat's death. The whole scene at Vormir with Black Widow and Hawkeye. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, I don't really know why, but it just I didn't. It was the one part of the film that I didn't really enjoy. They both went there not quite knowing what to expect, I think. But once they got there and learned what was at stake, there was it, it went on too long. And for me, two people arguing about who's going to commit suicide, mm. eh, I don't know. It doesn't, it's not a, a, an enjoyable thing to watch because they were both like, oh, I want to die, I want to die, you know. And I think... Mm. I don't know. It just didn't. It just didn't yeah. sit well with me. And it, and for me, it just went on too long. Like well, I they, don't, yeah. I don't mind the way they did it. But if it, it kind of, you know, she electrocutes him, and I would have been quite happy if she just electrocuted him and jumped off the cliff, and that was it. But for mm. him to then have to shoot an arrow, and then for her to clip onto him, then to hang again, mm. for me, it just went on too long. And and by that point. I lost all the kind of emotional connection. 
Yeah, I know what you mean, yeah. I mean, when it got to that point, it was fairly obvious it was going to be her that was going to go off there anyway, because his his whole journey was as a result of losing his family and his redemption from how far he'd fallen in those five years was about him being able to go back and be reunited with his family. That was the thing that, that was the, the bait that pulled him back in when she went yeah. to find him in Tokyo when he'd slaughtered all the um, Yakuza. So yep. I, when they got to that point, you always thought, well, it's going to be her who's got to die, and it? it's not going to be him because then it kind of negates his whole journey anyway. They bring his family back and he's dead anyway. So what was the point? So I, I, you know when they get to that, she's going off the cliff. But like you said, it just the, the fact they had a, a martial arts fight before someone goes off the cliff, you know, surely they could have just talked about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, yeah, I didn't like it immensely. Um, but obviously there was a point to it at least, rather than she just got killed in the end battle or something. At least there was, yeah. at least there was a reason for her to die, not just because obviously the yes. two made major deaths in the film, her and Stark. Obviously Stark's death, he, did, he wasn't just killed in battle. He, he died as a result of what he had to do to literally save the the, the universe again where and, and obviously her death if she hadn't died they wouldn't have even got to that point because they couldn't have got that stone so at least there was a point to her death and it had to happen but like you said yeah that that whole scene it was it wasn't comfortable viewing i guess no no i think it would have had a better impact if they had shortened it down a bit yeah and just made it a bit more of a wham bam she's gone then you'd be like whoa didn't yeah. you know um, but yeah, it just went on too long for me. But yeah. but for me, that was the only that was the only part of the film that I I didn't really enjoy. I thought mm. I thought the rest of it was, was fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah which too. leads me to the other point. Then favorite standout moments. What was your? Give me your top two favorite moments of the film. Wow, top two. Um, well, I think one has to be, and it might be one of yours too. Has to be the end battle um the the sheer joy of seeing all the returning characters come through the wormholes the uh whatever you want to call them dr strange's um yeah i guess they are wormholes um where they all started came, where they all came through in different stages where you see captain america literally on his own on the battlefield against an entire army of monsters and beasts and hundreds if not thousands of them and he's on his own there with a broken shield and can barely stand and you think oh well this is his moment to die um because i i i thought he would die in the film as well i thought he'd be the one to to snuff it at the end um and when they all came through all the returning characters plus some that you didn't expect to see like the asgardians and all the um all the sorcerers came through to help as well uh, the whole yep. army of wakanda as well came through um, that was great, and then to see them just charge at each other—that was pure. It was like a wonderful, the most wonderful splash page of a comic you've ever seen come to life. Um, yeah. And the fight—the fight itself, then, which must have lasted a good forty to forty-five minutes, maybe, um, from them coming through to the Starks end snap, was just full of great bits. Every character got a good moment to shine some didn't speak some did but even the ones that didn't speak still got their moment of glory you know destroying a, an alien beast in a cool fashion it was just so well done and the, 
the the, the undertaking, the, the feat of like filmmaking to produce a scene like that. You know, it takes anything that you'd seen in the likes of Lord of the Rings or any film like that where they have these epic battle scenes. And to me, it just put it up a, a notch or two notches. It was just fantastic, wasn't it? Absolutely, it was. And this was one of my moments. This whole scene yeah. was just fantastic. But do you know what I loved the most? And I got it straight away was when it first starts, Captain America hears in his, in his ear, on your left, which is exactly yes. what... Cap used to say to Sam when he was lapping him on the um, when oh, they were yeah, when they first yeah. met, didn't they? In um, Winter Soldier, when they yeah. first met, and he's running laps around the uh, parade ground. That's what Cap used to say on your left. And yeah, he'd come and past yeah. Him. that's right. Yeah, it's right at the start of filming it when he's lapping him yep. constantly. Yeah, yep. oh, yep. yeah, yeah. Oh, what? Well, well that, again, that just ties into what we're saying. It's just full of these little tidbits of. Yeah. Stuff, yeah. Oh, of course, yeah. Brilliant. Oh. I loved it. But it is, yeah, um, it is great. And the other moment in that whole scene was Iron Man and Spider-Man hugging when he when Spider-Man comes through. Yes. I think that was that was probably the most point like the most emotional point for me where my eyes were absolutely sobbing because <laughs> yeah. that hit me more than Tony's death because it was just when you think back to their relationship in Homecoming and that funny scene in the car where Spider-Man thought he was trying to hug him, but he was opening yes. the door and he's like, I'm yeah. not a hugger type thing. Yeah. And seeing that, just brilliant. Fantastic yeah. scene. Yeah, it was great. Uh, it? It just brilliant. Have you got another moment then? Ooh, um, God, it's a film full of moments, isn't it? Um I think the other moment for me is, and it's not so much a moment, just an actual um, character's existence in the film, and that's Clint Barton's uh, Hawkeye, Ronin, whatever you want to call him in this film. Considering that character has been so underutilised in these 20-odd films, he's only been in three and a bit films. He had a, a, a tiny, tiny, minute cameo in the first Thor film, he was in essentially three scenes in Civil War and then he was in the first two Avengers films. And the first Avengers film, he spent most of it in like a zombie-like trance um, under Loki's spell, if you will. Yep. Um, so he's never really been given a lot to do. I think Age of Ultron Prices was the only one where he had where they gave him the family and gave him a bit more meat on the bone. But his through arc in this film, I, for me, he was a standout character. I thought he was brilliant. The way you see him at the start of the film with his family, the, the, the literal opening scene of the film is him with his family and they all turn into dust. And then the next time you see him five years later, he's literally gone on their worldwide um, slaughtering sprees, become like a, a, a version of Frank Castle, just uh, still performing good work in a way, um, but slaughtering people around the world. Uh, bad people all the same, but... He, he's so far fallen, and then to see him come back, um, I, I thought, he, and the action stuff he does in the end fights as well, when he's protecting the the gauntlet, uh, he's the guy who's got it in his possession for the, the at least the first half of that battle when he's running with it through the tunnels and across the battlefield. Um, I just thought he was absolutely brilliant, and then of course he get he gets his happy ending at the end as well. Um, yes. Absolutely brilliant. I thought he was great, and it was about time they gave that character you know, a bit more respect than, than he'd got in the, in the previous um, 
films. I thought he was superb. Yeah, and I agree. I agree with everything you're saying. Um, he he was great, and he, how cool did he look? His haircut, his tattoos. Yeah. They uh, his whole transformation. They 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 did a real good job with him and gave him yeah the the kind of justice he deserves. Yeah. My um, to cap it off, then my final standout moment will link into my favourite character from the film, which was actually four. Yeah. Um, the the scene where we go back to the events of four to the dark world, where he goes back to Asgard, which you've got to remember the last time he saw Asgard, it was in ruins. It was in fire. It was being destroyed. So yeah. he's back on Asgard. His mother's been dead for a number of years. He gets to see his mum and, his emotional connection with her was again a moment where my eyes just started to glaze over. Yeah. Um, I think Chris Hemsworth is so underrated as an actor because if you think back to his journey in this film, he gave this film all its laughs. Mm-hmm. He gave this film some of its deepest emotional moments and he gave this film some of its biggest action sequences. Yeah. And to most people, he's a guy who takes his shirt off, isn't he? He's a good-looking Australian with muscles. But <laughs> I think he's so underrated. His acting, I think he, he really is an underrated actor for the different levels that he can go to. He yeah. isn't just a funny, a funny, good-looking guy. He isn't a dramatic, good-looking guy. He can do it all. Um, and he has, you know... A very similar physique to myself. Um, oh, me too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, has a, he has a similar physique to me. Um, post um, snap and post everything when he's yeah. out of shape. Yeah, that's more my physique. But um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, me too. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. But, yeah, um, I thought, yeah, I know I what thought, you mean. Yeah. I thought four was fantastic. Like I said, when when we meet Fat Four, he's funny. He is yeah, really, he is. really funny. Um, yeah. And then his journey that we go on throughout, it takes us to all these different levels. And I think he had, you know, a very difficult journey because he chopped off Thanos' head. You know, yeah. he, he did what he wanted to do, but it didn't mean anything. It yeah. couldn't bring anyone back. So yeah. it was a kind of, you know, it was a pointless death. And you could tell that that hung on with him. Um, he was willing to die in the final battle, as he always is. You know, he's had a thousand years of this, and yeah. um, I, I think I think his whole journey was brilliant. I think the scenes with his mum were fantastic, um, and I, I, I'm hoping the rumours I was reading last night that he's in talks to sign a new multi-movie deal is true. Well, he's going to be in at least another one, isn't he? Based on how it ends, so um, yeah, let's let's do it. Bring it on, yeah. And now. It's competition time. Hi, everyone. Yep, it's competition time. First of all, two announcements for our winners from last week, the first of which was Evil Catlord. Gotta love that. At ScottCB78 on Twitter, who won himself a copy of the brilliant Detective Comics 1000 with the rare jock variant cover brilliant uk artist great comic great prize thanks to our friends at comicbiz.com glad you enjoyed that scott thanks for sharing the prize on your twitter and uh sharing everyone you got cheers really appreciate it 
Our mystery Funko Pop winner for giving us a five-star review on iTunes is none other than John Hammond. Thanks, John, for your lovely words. This is what you had to say. Top men who are all passionate about what they love. Top podcast. All should be listening to this. Steve, Max and James, you guys rock. Cheers, John H. John, cheers to you, my friend. Thanks for the lovely words. Send us a DM with your address and your random mystery Funko Pop will be on its way to you. Well deserved. And uh, hopefully you'll enjoy this episode as much as you did the last one. That prize is courtesy of toysforapound.com. Great company, always updating their site with gifts and toys at unbelievably low prices. Thanks for that. And we have another Mystery Funko Pop prize to give away this week. To begin with the chance of winning, just go to iTunes, leave a glowing report and five-star review, and a random gorgeous Funko Pop could be yours. Just like John did, say what you thought, leave us a review, and your name will be put into the hat to win this great, great prize. Now, if you follow us on Twitter, go to our pinned tweet and also follow the amazing comic biz store you can have a chance of winning our avengers themed prize for the week which is a funko double pack containing both the evil thanos and the heroic iron spider yep it's a double pack and it's gorgeous it's really really cool yeah follow us on twitter follow comic biz store on twitter and you're in for a chance of winning this brilliant brilliant prize yep good old comics biz they're our sponsors but they're also our friends if you're into comics they are the biz so that's everything uh two winners from last week well done guys really appreciate it and two brand new prizes to give away so that's everything from me for this week ah james max back to you guys well thank you for listening everyone i've been james and i've had max here with me today Hopefully next time Steve will be back with us and he'll have seen Avengers Endgame by then. But I hope you've all enjoyed listening. We've had a right blast making it. So don't forget to check out our Twitter account at pending hashtag. Check out the website www.fantasticuniverses.com. You can catch me on Twitter, StoneJ666. Uh, thanks for listening. See you all soon. Max, do you want to say goodbye? Uh- Goodbye, everybody. Uh, happy trails. Um, you can find me on tri- Twitter at Maxi Byrne, which is M-A-X-Y-B-Y-R-N-E. Do say hello, but be nice when you do. And uh, we'll see you again very soon, hopefully. You've been listening to the Fantastic Universes podcast. Produced by Steve Ray. Edited and mixed by James Stone. All music by Professor Elemental. You can find out more at ProfessorElemental.com or at TCRecords.com. That's T-E-A-S-E-A Records.com. The Fantastic Universes podcast will return. Oh, my God.